0: Hello there! Thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talk
1: Back. The Sermon Talk Back is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text-to-pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit ChristCovenant.com/slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, guys. Well, we gave the second sermon of the Gospel Kingdom Mission series sermons uh, last week. Of course, Thomas, amazing, beautiful job talking about the relational discipleship kind of ideal hope of our church. We want to be a people people. Mm-hmm. We want to be people that are for one another and and uh, we want to help one another grow. But one of the things we want to help them grow in is gospel clarity. Um and I think that we live in an age of gospel confusion. Uh, I talked yesterday about counterfeit gospels or false gospels or the gospel being distorted. Um, and so we, we tried to look at, or we did look at Galatians 1 through 3. Um, there's more going on in the text than I looked at yesterday, but I, I kind of wanted to grab at this like thought arc that Paul's going on there where he kind of begins with, guys, what, what, who's leading you astray? And then mm-hmm. I think helps them by kind of leading them on this path toward gospel clarity. Um, and so that's hopefully what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know, thoughts, impressions, Blake? Um,
2: yeah. So w- one of the impressions
1: that I had was
2: um, the Galatians, we find ourselves... Um, like them in, in many ways, you know, they, they were people who had started well, right? They had begun in the spirit, but now they were trying to continue in the flesh. They understood what was right and true and good, but now they were adding to it, right? And so we we also find ourselves as Christians in this day um, prone to adding things to the gospel. Right. And so, you know, and, and and it made me think of Genesis 1 and 2, um, where all things were good. Adam and Eve had so much clarity about what the world was about, what, what in the full revelation of God, like they knew God and yet Satan confused them. He used confusion by undermining God's revelation, um, to cause them by using something that seemed really good to trust in other things. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: And I want to come back to that because I, yes, the, the problem with this whole thing or the, the difficulty of this whole thing is it's not like gospel clarity is coming from bad things or gospel confusion, rather, right. is coming from bad things or lack Seemingly of good. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact, a lot of times not even seemingly good. Like it is good. Yeah. It could just be out of order. But uh, one of the reasons that we are so prone to kind of what we were saying yesterday, a law-based life uh, is the natural way that we pursue the blessing of Abraham is through the law-based life. And so, yeah, you had some thoughts on that. Right.
0: Yeah. That was my first impression. Uh, how, well, how helpful it was to think about the blessing of Abraham and how that applies to me that I do in fact want the blessing of Abraham. There's something deep inside of me that, um, Uh, that tells me I'm not okay. And I just, I desperately want to be okay. And I want God to approve of me. And that is essentially what Abraham had. Then I, but I also loved how you tied that or how you made the mention of um, the true myth uh, with Tolkien and um, Lewis and how the, the way we read the Bible is that these events are true um, there are actually things that happened in a point in time in history to real people. So there was a blessing, a promise that was given to Abraham right. that, yeah. you know, he was not, ha- right. not
1: just, that's not just mythical it was specific. in a, in mm-hmm. a, uh, storytelling, it's not sense. a made up story. Right, right, he yeah. was
0: promised land and that he would be a great nation and that he would bless, you know, one of his, his seed would bless the whole world. But then the mythical quality of that is that I can find myself in that. And that is what you did, right? Like telling us this is how you are pursuing the blessing of Abraham um, through the law as opposed to through the gospel.
1: Yeah. I think that one of the things that happened in the 19th and 20th century is that the true myth got divided in terms of the way that Christians understood Mm -hmm. the Bible. And so theological liberals kind of went with Mm -hmm. the myth side And they said, it doesn't doesn't matter that the Bible is true. It doesn't matter that these events really happened. We don't have to believe, uh, for example, in the crossing that the Israelites really had an exodus and crossed the Red Sea. We don't have to believe in the miracles of Christ. We don't even really have to believe in the resurrection. What's important is that we look at like the symbolism of this and like what these things meant. Now, the problem with that, if you give up on the true side is then your faith isn't anchored in anything. So we believe in a God who is real, and we can actually affirm His realness mm-hmm. because of the way that He's interacted with humanity, both mm-hmm. through His Son, Jesus, but also through His servants and through prophets and through apostles and, and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and that leaves us with today... Uh, you know for example a, a scripture that was once and for all delivered to the saints it was actually delivered this isn't just mm-hmm. people like imagining these good things and kind of creating some stories around them um, so that's that would be the critique on the liberal side now then the the fundamentalist side the, the kind of in reaction to that what what fundamentalists mm-hmm. do is there's an over uh, kind of literalization if you will of the Bible and they they so this passage is only about the actual blessing to Abraham and hmm. the actual law of Israel when it is about that. But the Bible is the true myth. By the by, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, these things can speak into our lives. And to your point, like when you say you want the blessing of Abraham, you don't want the blessing of Abraham, though you might. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty awesome. But <laughs> but it's it's kind of like the, your blessing of Abraham. You want. To find favor with god you want your enemies to be cursed and your friends to be blessed i mean mm-hmm. uh, when we think about the law most of us aren't struggling with okay i'm going to be justified by circumcision but we're all struggling with some sort of means of justification um, some sort of law and this is your point blake that mm-hmm. we look to um as, as much as the bible warns us against this mm-hmm. we we all kind of fall into this i'm going to do something that's going to justify yeah, uh, myself. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we all struggle
2: with that. Um, and I, I think the only way, um, or I would say the primary means by which, means of grace that God gives us to fight against that is continually returning to his word, right? And seeing the full revelation of God in Christ over and over and over again and preaching that to ourselves over and over and over again that we in and of ourselves the best that we have to offer is filthy rags to God. Right. But that's okay because because of faith in Christ, God looks at us through his son and not through the
1: filthy rags of our actions. And that's where a book like Galatians, I think, is really helpful because it helps us understand it's not that the law was useless. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that the law was even useless in terms of like, preserving a righteousness. Um, the law is a guardian, right? I'm I'm glad that there are laws in place. Um, it's kind of like shame. Like you may not do something, uh, just because you'd be ashamed if somebody found out you do it, but you may really desire to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, well that doesn't make your heart any better, but it does make your actions better. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, And so I'm grateful for that. So the law, the law, produces um, some frameworks, some more frameworks. We kind of talked about that, even like the River City morality. Like there was a good to the River City morality, right? right? There, right. It was actually producing some a, a framework, a form to you know American life. Um, and so there there was some there was some good to that form, but the law. The Old Testament law, in particular, was was only ever really meant to frustrate. It was only ever really meant to condemn. It was only ever really meant to show us what God had in mind from the fullness of time, which was to reveal His Son, mm-hmm. the promised offspring, in whom our true hope lies. But,
2: but you can't understand who Christ is without the law, right? And so, it's, it, I, I would agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. We we all have common grace in the whenever we live by this law, but we can't know God. Fully through the law, we can partially know God. Oh, that's right. Through yeah. the law. And so mm-hmm. it is also the law. It, it's revelatory. It, it, oh, yeah. it, it's yeah, part yeah. of, it flows from the very character of God. But if you only have the law, you only see partial revelation. Right. The it, fullness of God has been revealed in the fact that his son came and fulfilled right. these character qualifications that right. the law. In, in essence, when Jesus is doing good works, he's showing I am God. Th- this law that came from Only God's character. Only the promised
1: offspring can obey this. Can do law, that. Right. That's right. And that's why the law frustrates. That's right. why it leaves us, you know, to quote Joseph Bottoms, feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. Have I done enough? And that's the truth of any law. I mean, that that is law based morality. Um, have I done enough? Am I righteous? Am I more righteous than the next guy? Uh, you know, am I, am I actually um, doing the right thing, which is why if we get these things out of order, it creates incredible division and angst and hatred and, uh, uh all the things that we're kind of seeing around us right now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the river city morality, you know, the kind of the, the moral gospel we talked about yesterday, the river city gospel, uh, it creates a lot of division. It creates yeah. a lack of vulnerability it creates a lack of real relationship, it creates status.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, it creates a lot of these things that are not of Christ um, at all, but, you know, it's because we've gotten primary things and secondary things confused. That's right, yeah.
2: So that was one, another impression that I had. Um, you, you said counterfeit gospels are born when secondary things become primary things. And when primary things become secondary things. And so how do we as a church think through what is primary versus what is secondary? Yeah.
1: And I think that primary, and when we talk about the gospel, it's, it's pursuing the blessing of Abraham, finding blessing, joy, identity, uh, life, hope in the promised offspring. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. That is the gospel. Christ has come. He has died for our sins on the cross He has rose from the dead, giving us the promise of new life. He has lived a righteous life, imputing to us a perfect righteousness. And so now I can actually live free if I stay focused on Jesus, if I find my identity in Christ, if I find my righteousness in Christ. And so that's what I would just say is is, is, is how you're living your life is, is what you're doing Leading you to more self-dependence or more Christ-dependence, mm-hmm. um, and so that's I think that's a way to know. But yet, what is the primary thing? Well, it's the gospel. I mean, and and if the gospel is central, that that you know, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. That God has given me in Christ, who lived a righteous life, who died my death, and who sets me free to the hope of an eternal life in Him. If that's central in my life, if that's how I'm. If that's my true north, then. Everything else kind of has a mm-hmm. falls into a good place
0: I guess that leads me to my question then how how do you know um, what are some signs that you have that you're trading the law for faith because yeah. a lot of these things that you're talking about especially when you've been in church a long time or even if you're new I don't know you have this idea of things that a Christian should be doing right um, works so it's you know it's a it's an interesting, I don't know if you call it a balance, but how do I know?
1: Well, you know, one more thing kind of, let me, let me jump over that. Just a I forgot to say what, to Blake there. Um, so a lot of times secondary things are kind of what we are talking about yeah. are results of the gospel, right? And mm-hmm. so, so it was interesting, you know, you know, yesterday I had a couple of people come up to me and and you could tell like what counterfeit gospel they were susceptible to mm because you know it'd be like are you saying that we shouldn't care about the poor are you saying that you know we shouldn't be concerned with you know politics you know we not supposed to be concerned with morality or whatever it is and the answer is well of course i'm not saying that what i am saying is the way that you pursue morality is through the gospel and so it's a response to the gospel not it's a it's a way out of the gospel if you will not a way into the gospel and as long as it's a way in, right, if it becomes primary, um, how do you know you're primary? Well, it 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 produces a sense of, you know, I would say self-centeredness, self-righteousness right. that uh, is not true of true righteousness, is not true of the Christian life. We were, we were talking before we got started about this old Belgic confession. And basically the question is concerning, look, if... If salvation by faith is true, right? If if I can have salvific faith, if I'm only saved by faith, mm-hmm. then what is my motivation to do works, right? Mm-hmm. If why don't I just do whatever I want to do? Right. And, <laughs> and 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 here's the confession I love it. It says, far from making people cold toward living living in a pious and holy way, justifying faith, quite to the contrary, so works within them that apart from it, they'll never do a thing out of love for God, but only out of love for themselves or fear of being condemned. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if, if, if without justifying faith, without the free gift of salvation in Christ, then any action I do that's moral, right. If I do something good, I expect something to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I'm Mm -hmm. earning something. Right. Right. I'm like, look, I, you know, I obeyed all the Ten Commandments. Therefore, God, you owe me big time. Right. Um, or I say, um, you know, we'll talk about social justice. You know, I am the good social justice warrior. I have cared for the poor. I have, you know, and, and it's interesting. Like even like people think of think of the the folks that come to Jesus in the judgment. They say, look, we we did all these things in your name, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said, depart from me. I never knew you. that. That yeah. is a reversing of the law wow. and of faith. Um, And then, you know, even like to the Patriot gospel, you know, yesterday, if if you have the Patriot, if you have the Patriot gospel mindset, your mindset is really God needs America to protect him or Christianity needs America to protect it rather than America needs Christianity Mm -hmm. to protect it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but if your, if your mindset is, is Christianity or is America is necessary for Christianity, well, then you're going to look on with disdain and not with compassion not with gospel centered compassion toward any of America's mm-hmm. you know enemies yeah. right if someone has a different vision for America than you do as we're seeing right now you're going to mm-hmm. look on them not as people that maybe have a discipleship gap that that could know Jesus in a, a new way but as enemies as the they're the problem right they them it, it's interesting that chapter 3 of galatians ends with this you know, this very famous verse that people kind of take out of context sometimes, but he says, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, nor male, nor female for all are one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that there's, you know, I've heard people use this to say, look, gender is not a big deal. He's not saying, uh, there's not females there's right, not males. Right. There's not Jews, not Greek. He's, you know, not slave, not free. What he is saying is that, in Christ, when you're united in Christ, you don't see status and rank, you don't see achievement, you don't see I've done this and they haven't done this and I'm better than them. You don't see the problem of the them, you just see other people mm-hmm. that are one with you in Christ. Right. Yeah. And man, I think that the church in America in particular, uh, and, and it's fallen susceptible to a lot of these things. I mean, I, I see all of these things active in the church. Yeah. I mean, obviously we see moralism active in the church. Mm-hmm. We also see uh, social justice active in the church in a, in a divisive way, you know. I've heard people say, you know, you know, Christians, uh, you know, if you're not for like the Black Lives Matter movement or something, then you're no brother of mine in Christ. Right. Okay, so what have you done? You've added a law, um, or you know, yes. I don't see how a Christian could vote for Donald Trump or vote for you know Joe Biden or whoever it is. Okay, what are you doing? It's justification mm-hmm. by faith and your vote, right. Right? right? And all that does is divide. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly does not unify, and it takes glory away from Jesus. Yeah. But we're so prone to it. Yeah, so, we pardon. are really prone
2: to to that. And I think, and I just want to ask, like, um, you know, I I think we all enjoy religious freedom. You know, that's that's something that's really good for us. I think there's a lot of like assumptions and fears that. You know where America is going is we're kind of going away from um, any narrative that comes against the cultural uh, you know mantra of the day, which is highly individualistic. Right. Yeah. And you are ultimately is humanistic. Is humanism right? The worship of human, the worship of man, um, and man is the authority. What happens in an America where religious freedom is lost? What happens to Christianity, Jason?
1: Well, I mean. I think it's been said before, like a church that is not persecuted is a church that is not pure, mm-hmm. right? So in in one sense, there will be a purifying of the church, right? There, there won't be any sort of like functional Christianity, you know? I mean, I, I do think a thing that's, that's well, let me, let me say a little bit more on this. It, the church, though, has both thrived, uh, has thrived in, in, in both very religiously free times and in religiously persecuted times, right? Like the, the church in China right now, this is what Americans need to realize, like the church in China right now is the fastest growing church in In the world. world. It's not free. It's not as free Mm -hmm. as our church is. Um, but it's faithful, it's pure, and it's growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the early church, right? It was not a very free church. They were suppressed, they were persecuted, but the blood of the martyrs became the seed of the church, right? right? It became mm-hmm. the very thing that spurred church. Now, I want to say that and then say you got to study the whole of human history or the whole of church history, right? So one of the things that, I mean, we call it the long 18th century that added to a lot of Christian flourishing was the act of toleration, 1689, so, I look at that and say, okay, the, the church got more freedom, more religious liberty, some of the kinds of same religious liberty that we enjoy now, and it flourished all mm-hmm. the more. And so, there's not like a silver bullet there. It, right. it, it doesn't mean that persecution always adds to church flourishing or that uh, persecution always takes away from church flourishing. Mm-hmm. I think it just depends, it, it gets back to the faithfulness of the believers. But the, the thing that I'll say, I think what's happening among American Christians right now, is not an actual fear for the gospel or a fear for the church. It's a fear for their functional comfort as oh, Christians. Christians. Sounds good. You're right. Uh, it's going to be harder for me yeah. to be a Christian, Christian in this setting. I'm not going to be able to get the um, promotion at my job in a secular age, if I am a Christian. And so let's fight for it. So I don't really see the American church right now fighting for Christianity per se. They're fighting for a comfortable Christianity. Christianity. Because it's the same people that are so uh, obsessed over these religious freedoms that are being lost they really don't care that much about discipleship. <laughs> Who, what disciples yeah, are they side. making? What, you know, how are they going after the truthfulness of God's word? What kind of like impurities are they allowing into the gospel? And so I see it more as I'm fighting for a comfortable Christianity. And again, look, I want a comfortable Christianity, right? I don't want to be persecuted. Yeah. I want Christians to be the presidents of their company. I want to be able to you know, email the word Jesus and it not be censored. Right. Right. So I want all that stuff too. So, I mean, don't hear me to say that I don't want that stuff, but what I am saying is I'm not going to distort actual Christianity Christianity. to get a not actual comfortable Christianity. That's (laughs) That's good. Uh, And so that's, that's the, that's, I think the decision that, you know, Christians are having to think through right now. So going forward
0: for the, Listener, how do you move forward in this? That wanting to, um, you know, to be you may, maybe you are passionate about certain um, political causes. How do you engage in politics, for instance, and keep your I think Christians are
1: always people of meaningful action, Jennifer. And that's something that's frustrating me too right now. Mm-hmm. Is I see a ton of frustration and not real meaningful action what i'm seeing happen in the world right now i don't think christians are ever to have what i'm calling like a preservationist mindset and i think some at some part of me is probably getting this from matthew 16 you know the gates of hell will not prevail against the church what does that imply right it's yeah. not that hell is attacking the church fortress right. mm-hmm. it's that the church is attacking the hell fortress, right. right? Right. The gates of hell won't hold up. If you infiltrate, if you attack, if you go after. So rather than a preservationist mentality that I think a lot of American Christians mm-hmm. have, it's again, the comfortable, don't come into our comfortable little American city. Mm-hmm. I want us to have uh, an invading, you know, mentality. And for us to say, okay, how can we invade this secular culture for the kingdom of Christ? Right. And, and the, The answer is, okay, what meaningful actions do we need to be taking as Christians to invade? And when I say invade, I don't mean like in a violent kind of militant sense. I mean, to invade as ambassadors for the kingdom, this world that we live in. And so I would just say, you know, there's so many stewardships out there. How do Christians have cultural, you know how you have cultural impact? You do something that the culture thinks is interesting. You you do something (laughs) valuable, right? Uh, I mean, I've given this story before, like I I was preaching on this very thing. And in the middle of the sermon, I realized that God had given me a moment to have some cultural stewardship and I didn't take it. And it was, I went to a PTA meeting at E. Rivers Elementary School and they were looking for a talent show coordinator. And I was, I even thought to myself at the meeting, like, man, I feel sorry for that guy. Who wants wants to oversee an elementary school talent show? But as I was preaching, literally I got convicted By the spirit of god of like that's an opportunity where i can have influence in the culture small thing i wasn't running for president
0: right
1: i was just going to be the town show coordinator right right not a big deal but that's given us some i mean i've done that now and i've done that a couple Mm -hmm. years and i know all these families at e rivers uh, I'm a Christian pastor. You know, I, we have a great relationship with the administration over there. Right. Uh, it's, I think I think it's been a part of the reason that, like, Good News Club, other things like that have been able to persist on that campus, just some of the good relationships that myself and other Christian families have had there. And that's the kind of thing that gives you cultural inference. Do something useful, and all of a sudden people will be like, oh. You know, and so Christians need to be thinking, okay, how do we, you know, people are so upset about this, like, you know, moment that we're in right now I, i'm thinking to myself to it's kind of like are have you christians like not seen what's happened in the past few years? like if you're a confessing christian if you're confessing evangelical christian you can't get a job in the humanities department of a major american university okay mm-hmm. like right. this ship's already sailed guys like <laughs> yeah, like right and so i think what christians need to be thinking of is okay how can we get a christian hired in the English department at Harvard right mm-hmm. i mean that that's the kind of invasion mm-hmm. that you know i'm talking about yeah. and and you don't get hired in the, that department unless you're brilliant and you work hard and there, and, and there's meaningful action right. toward those kinds of things so and you're i would just, relational
0: instead of right. attacking mm-hmm. quit being uh, quit cultural. being
1: so uh you know fearful and timid and and start doing something run for school board you know <clears throat> Uh, go, go set up a lunch with your city councilman, you know, build a relationship there. Like, what is the meaningful action that you can take today um, Yeah, uh, to bring about, uh, you know, what I would say, like kingdom of Christ ambassador influence on mm-hmm. the watching world. And, and it right? doesn't
2: have to be English professor at Harvard striving for that or going to meet with your councilman. It's really just like serving. Yeah. Like I, I think I like what you were saying about serving as the lead for the talent show because that's a that's that was an there was a need to be met, and there are needs all around us at all times. That is that is something that will just always be true in this world. We live in an incomplete world where there's always needs. Your role as a kingdom ambassador
1: is to serve where you are. That's right. Right. Meet the needs around you. Well, and that's how you get to be the that's English right. professor at Harvard. Like, you know, I did the talent show thing. I could have, I mean, people even said, do you want to be, you know, PTA president? I mean, yeah. and so <laughs> yeah. like I could have, and then, and then the next thing you know, you're on the school board and the next thing sure. you know, you're making decisions. And right. so, and, but <clears throat> it's being faithful, doing a good yeah. job with the stewardship that's that right. you actually, actually have yeah. that opens doors to right. other stewardship. Right. Um, and, and then that's
2: where real influence comes that's from. That's right. And I want to say like, I, I think the focus of all Christians needs not to be kind of I'm doing this so I can get there. It's really like the goal is that you would just serve. That's right. Like, right. Yes. yes, your your well, goal, your focus to is You're, to serve because right. you may serve your whole life and you may not get the opportunity that you one day hope for, but God called you to serve, right? right. And, and God will open doors as you are a person who is faithful, as a person who is meeting the needs around right. you. God will open the appropriate door at the right time. And your responsibility when that happens is to do what? to serve and be faithful, right. be a steward. And sometimes yeah. it,
0: it takes years. I mean, we've lived in this neighborhood for 14, almost 15 years. And I remember thinking, uh, I'm going to try to start a Bible study. I'm going to invite people to this thing going on at church, which is all very important. Um, and I needed to do that, but also serving um, you know, as treasurer in my neighborhood, going to book club, all of these things. And sometimes it does feel like I don't know if any of this matters. And then one day someone's husband gets sick or someone's right. child is going off the rails or just th- crazy stories where they call you yeah. out of the blue because you were there and you were relational, not someone difficult, but you were, a good treating, neighbor. You were treating them as not you were a loving, project, but you were that's loving, a stewardship. Right. Right. which goes you know? back to we should be doing these things out of love, not out of trying right. to earn something right. or even to make something happen.
1: Yeah, and I think my point in all that is what has God called you to steward? If you'll steward it well, the way that God's economy works, but the way like all economies work is Mm -hmm. you'll get more opportunity, you know? Go be useful in a place, and guess what? God's going to open doors for you to be useful in bigger places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. For sure. Well, hey, what a conversation. Yeah. Gospel clarity, meaningful action. Um, It's all good. But, yeah, you know what and and it get to your point, Blake, it, yeah, if my goal becomes, oh, I want to be city councilman or whatever, then that that can easily slip into becoming a law, right, and this is what I have to do, and really, I just have to trust Christ, mm-hmm. be his servant, be his ambassador, steward the things he's given right. me to do well, and that's how. Change really happens, and that's how the kingdom of God. More importantly, more who cares? More importantly than America being preserved or a free society being preserved, the kingdom of God advances that way. Right.
0: right. And just one more comment, because but that that ties into your discipleship gap idea that you are just looking to see what how this person can receive the next um, bit of information, the next bit of truth. You're not trying to you know change them, fix them. Right. we are looking so, for that discipleship gap.
1: To the Christian listening to this right now, who has two neighbors, and uh, on one side, it's a lesbian couple that's trying to decide if they want to let their child get a sex change. And on the other side, it's like a hard, right, Trump-lover person that was at the rally last weekend that broke into the Capitol, okay? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't look at either of them and say, oh, oh, Right, right. You should look at them and say, okay, what's the discipleship gap for them? Mm-hmm. What's the discipleship gap for them? How can I, how can I lead both of them to rightly see the Lord of life? Right. The God of the ages, the God of all order and all beauty and all design. Mm-hmm. And how can I lead them to follow him mm-hmm. through the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's mm-hmm. that should be our response. They are not the problem. They are someone who, by the power of Christ and by the power of the gospel, God desires to redeem into his likeness. Mm -hmm. And because you know what? Such were some of you, right? Such were all of us. (laughs) All of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So, well, for Jennifer McClish and Blake Rogers, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.